A hundred years you sit growing, roots edging ever deeper, ever further into the duffy soil around you, your branches and leaves creeping ever skyward. Your buds swell and pop, your leaves unfurl and thicken, then turn golden and are swept away. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark. As we creep ever closer towards the winter solstice, temperatures continue to drop, we get harder frosts, fewer deciduous leaves linger on branches, and we shift from a world abuzz with animal life and color to one that is a bit more still and even grayscale at times. What would have been a relieving breeze just two months ago carries a somewhat more threatening rustle through the remaining rattling leaves now. This season provides an ideal backdrop for Halloween lovers and people who appreciate these darker months for the ample reflection time we are awarded as the sun sets earlier with each passing day. Flower phenology may not be the first natural occurrence to jump to mind in late October in Maine, but one of my favorite flowers, and one that shares my name, is blooming now and well worth finding before we come blanketed in snow. Witch hazel. Growing along the sprawling branches of this shrub that can grow up to 15 feet tall, are small flowers with thin, crinkly petals reminiscent of one-inch strips of yellow tinsel arranged haphazardly around a center point, as if a spider were frozen mid-gallop, legs splayed in every direction in an effort to move fast despite an excess of legs. Its blooming time coinciding with Halloween and its spider-like yellow flowers make witch hazel an appropriate name for this unique plant. Our only local member of the Hamamelidaceae plant family, its leaves are unique as well. With obvious parallel veins, scallops leaf edges, and the base of the leaf attached to the stem asymmetrically, this shrub is easy to identify even without flowers in bloom. I often see the shrub not too far from the bank of a river, in rich bottomlands, and in rocky or open forests. You may know witch hazel from strolls down the skincare aisle in your local pharmacy or grocery store. The astringent qualities of the bark make it a common ingredient in facial toners and aftershaves. Today, the plant is processed and distilled in large quantities for bottling and sale, but a poultice of the leaves and bark or even a wash applied externally to certain skin rashes or infections can have a similar effect with little processing. Witch hazel's tightening and toning qualities in the form of a wash or salve can even help with varicose veins. The branches of this unique and useful plant have also been used to make bows and dowsing rods to help find water or, rumor has it, missing children. Despite this plant's unusual flowering time and, to some eyes, its creepy appearance, witch hazel sure has a lot to offer the human world. Late flowering is useful to other species as well, as one of our last flowering plants to offer pollen for the year, lingering honeybees and other pollinators head straight for witch hazel flowers for what may be their last fresh meal for a few months. And for witch hazel, this lack of competition with other pollen producers is quite convenient. Nevertheless, there are fewer pollinators around now, even if competition is at a minimum, so witch hazel even adapts to that by having its fruits from last year's flowers appear alongside this year's flowers so it can set seed along the more open autumnal forest floor to better ensure germination. And witch hazel doesn't simply drop its seeds passively. Its seeds explode dramatically from the fruit capsule, launching sometimes up to 10 feet. The eerie sound produced when this happens in the otherwise still and quiet forest in late autumn is yet another reason for the witch-focused common name. So the next time you're outside, you can endeavor to get to know this plant where it grows, rather than only in its bottled form. Look for witch hazel's yellow spidery flower petals, its now yellow leaves with asymmetrical bases, and listen for the spooky sounds of seeds unexpectedly exploding forth into the forest. 
Or is that the sound of witchcraft as the veil between ours and the other world wears thin in the coming weeks? You can find a link to the full transcript of this show, as well as references, contact information, and accompanying photos by visiting archives.weru.org. You can also listen to or download our features or subscribe to podcasts. Theme music was by a pileated woodpecker made available by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phonology. (laughs) 